Welcome to Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives, a podcast dedicated to the testimonies of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Arlenis Bucklew. Welcome back, friends, to another episode of Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives. I am your host, Arlenis. And if you're watching or listening for the first time, welcome and please make sure to stay connected with us. Uh, you can do that right after this episode by following us on social media and using the links here on the description. This will be a way for you to stay connected with us and also to stay up to date on who the next guest on the podcast will be. And friends, uh, just a quick reminder of how you can be supporting our podcast. And some of the different ways that you can be doing that is by praying for us and praying for uh, the guests that we are continuing to have on the podcast. Uh, share the, this podcast with your friends and family and also share about it on your social media if you're on social media. And you can now also uh, purchase our merchandise, uh, which has our logo and some of our favorite uh, Bible verses and quotes. And again, you can find the links here on the description. Uh, you can also uh, make monthly donations and you can do that through our Patreon page or even directly from the uh, Anchor app, if that's where you're listening from. Uh, but again, you can find all the links here on the description. And as we do on every episode, we have a new guest. Today, we have Alex Wright, who is the president of Vessels for Christ. And Vessels for Christ is uh, you know, so a ministry that serves uh, different ministries as they travel around the world. And their mission is to connect people together through the Lord in order to provide them with financial and prayer support to do his will. So I'm very, very excited, guys, to uh, get to know uh, Alex and for us to just hear his testimony of how the Lord brought him out of darkness into his marvelous light. And thank you again for joining us, friends. Uh, thank you for listening or watching. And here is my conversation with Alex. All right, friends, and I am here with uh, Alex. Alex, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Oh, you're welcome. Glad to be here. Yeah, so uh, we were just talking before we started recording, and uh, we have a dear brother, uh, a friend in common, so it's Grady. Uh, he um, he came to my pod. Well, he I interviewed him on, on my podcast, and I was just telling you how I got to meet him at the G3 conference in 2021, so... Uh, I know that he listens to the podcast. So if he listens to the podcast, thank you, Grady, for connecting uh, Alex uh, with me and uh, the podcast So and telling him about it. So I'm very excited to uh, hear your testimony. You were telling me that you guys have a similar testimony as well. So Yeah, I, it overlaps. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, normally I like to have my guests, you know, give us just a little background about their upbringing and their family. Uh, were you raised in a believing home? Where were you raised? Are you the only, give me all the details, you know, that as much as you want about uh, your family growing up, are you the only child and so on. So yeah, and you can take it from there. Sure. Yeah. So I grew up uh, a little bit outside of Chicago. I grew up in Naperville, Illinois, suburb of Chicago. And I grew up, uh, I have one brother who's younger, who's four years younger than me. Um, both my parents are still together. And uh, we grew up in like a pseudo Christian household. Um, my parents professed to believe uh, we would go to church every so often, but they weren't living a consistent life with what it means to be a Christ follower. Mm -hmm. So there were a lot of, there was um, a lot of times where there'd be uh, 
a lot of strife and arguments between me and them. And um, there was some uh, drug use and some drinking in the household that would uh, cause a lot of problems as you're growing up and your parents say they believe in God and we go to church, but their lifestyle isn't representative of that. So, um, so when I was uh, younger, uh, in my teenage years, I, I went to, um, I started going to a youth group with a friend down the street because it was just a good outlet to go to and things like that. And we heard uh, an okay presentation of the gospel there. Um, but during that time, I probably prayed that prayer like three times while I was, uh, while I was living in their house. Uh, I, you know, I accept Jesus as Lord. I, you know, accept him as my savior. I accept him in my heart, but nothing really changed in my life. Um, so I said that prayer still was just, you know, um, drinking sin like iniquity, um, loving my sin. Um, in my high school years, I started to get into like the popular crowd about 17, 18, started, uh, wasn't really drinking a lot, but was supplying people with uh, booze. Like I worked at a pizza place so I could get guys to buy us alcohol and things like that. And I'd bring that to the parties. And then, um, so during this time, you know, my dad had, um, you know, me and my dad weren't getting along a lot. So there's a lot of anger between us and a lot of hostility. So I didn't really want to live anywhere near them. I didn't want to go to school near them. So I applied to a bunch of schools and I ended up getting into University of Arizona. So I went far away from Chicago and I went to University of Arizona. I started uh, getting more into drugs there. I started smoking more marijuana. I started uh, getting into pills, getting into Oxycontin. And I was um, just doing a lot of drugs the first couple of years. I didn't end up graduating. Um, and basically it got to the point where when I was uh, 19 years old, I was physically addicted to Oxycontin. So I couldn't go a day without doing it. And then I ended up quitting cold turkey and so uh, I quit cold turkey and I went back home to where I lived. I dropped out of school and I just kind of brought all that lifestyle with me. And during this time, you know, if you were to ask me if I was a Christian, I would say yes, like 95% of America does, you know, like I grew up in a household. I prayed those prayers. I got baptized, things like that. But I wasn't living the Christian life. You know, my I wasn't born again. My heart hadn't been regenerated. None of that stuff had happened. So I went back up to uh, where I was from and I started selling drugs up there. Um, I ended up getting set up by an undercover police officer, um, a guy who was working for the police. He set me up. Uh, I ended up going to sell him drugs one night. Uh, the police department came. They had four shotguns on my head. They're like, you know, get on the ground. They arrested me. They brought me to jail. Uh, they interrogated me. They wanted me to set more people up. Um, it was a first offense. So I ended up, I got charged with a felony, but then ended up going on probation for two years. And so I just, I was getting deeper and deeper. And so during this time I was on probation, I started doing different drugs. My, my drug of choice was opiates. So any sort of opiate I could get, that's what I was doing for years. And at the same time, I was a gambler too. So I was uh, playing a lot of cards. I was going to casinos, playing underground poker games, and just getting deeper, deeper and deeper in sin. And this all led up to a point where uh, when I was 26, uh, a friend of mine 
who was a Hindu guy I grew up with became a Christian. So he became a Christian. And at this point, I'm I'm physically addicted. So I'm on I'm on a couple different drugs every day. Uh, you know, I'm I'm just kind of wasting away, you know, near where I grew up. So a Hindu mind, friend of mine became Christian. And so he started reaching out to me with Bible verses. Um, he was talking to me. He even said to me at one point, he said, you know, Alex, every time you talk on the phone, you blame everyone, you get mad at everyone, you're angry at everyone. And when, but before you get off the phone, you say, I know the Lord has something more for my life. So I would say this to him, even in my lost state, you know, the Lord will still preserve you when you're, before you're born again and watch over you. But I would say this and, and he, so he's reaching out to me. So he's sharing things with me. So uh, one night I was, I, I was trying to get the drugs I needed. Uh, the one friend of mine um, who I got from, he tried to commit suicide. He actually broke, broke, he broke both his wrists. Uh, he tried to hang himself and he broke both his wrists, saving his life. So I went to his house, his mom's crying. He's in the hospital. So I couldn't get the drugs from him. The other friend of mine who I was going to get drugs from was in rehab. So I was like, kind of at a loss because I had, I was owing a lot of people money at this time. These guys would um, give me some drugs and I could pay them back later and things. So what happened was I ended up going to the emergency room and I was faking an injury. So I was like, you know what? My side hurts. Uh, you know, can I get a painkiller? And the doctor wouldn't give me the painkillers there either. So I was kind of at my wits end and I was starting to withdraw. And withdrawal is like when you stop taking drugs, you start to feel sick and physically nauseous and things like that. So I ended up quitting cold turkey. So I was drinking a lot of Gatorade, taking a lot of herbal supplements. So I quit cold turkey off drugs in that, that moment. And for like 36 hours, I was just suicidal. I didn't want to live. I was, my head was going all over the place. I, I was just sitting in my room in my parents' house, not leaving but like fighting it, you know, fighting the urge to do do drugs again. So this went on for a few days and then every day it got a little bit better and I just kept fighting it. And then about a week went by and that friend who I had spoken about earlier, his name was Prashant. Um, I called him up and I said, man, I, I you know, I've been sober for a week. Um, I need to pray. I know Jesus died for my sins. I know he'll forgive my sins. I need to repent and ask for forgiveness and I called him up and I prayed. The prayer felt like two hours still. This was like nine years ago, but still to this day, it felt like a long time, but it was like five minutes long. And as soon as I said, amen, I was justified. I was born again. Um, you know, Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I'll remove the heart of stone from you, your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Well, he gave me a new heart in that moment. And when I said, amen, it was like I woke up out of a coma. I had been born again. I looked around the filth I was living in. I was, I just wanted to start reading the Bible and go to church for the first time in years. And I just had a purpose and a life to live after all those years of just wasting away and just totally lost. And, and in those moments, you know, I had prayed those prayers. I had said those things and, you know, but I would have been headed for hell if I would have died during that time. Like I was, I was lost. I was gone. So as soon as I said, amen, yeah, I was born again. And I just kept going forward from that, from that moment. And that was, man, almost nine years ago. And uh, I still look back. I still look back to that moment at times when you get discouraged and stuff, be like, well, you know, it doesn't matter what happens in your life. You know, I'll be with Jesus someday reigning with him so yeah wow 
and you were not raised in i mean for how you describe your household like it was not a believing family no it was it was like we went to a big um assemblies of god church and okay. we would go every so often but my my dad um drank a bit you know too much mm. at times so there was a yeah. lot of um apologies for that and there was you know there was no like sanctification in their lives like looking back I, I i don't i never saw like a progression to be more like christ it was more like we profess and we believe but we're going to do whatever we want you know at the end of the day okay and so i'm just curious how you had that knowledge of jesus dying for your sin is it because your friend had shared that with you or how well, did you he, yeah oh yeah sorry he was um well, because I grew up when I was in my teenage years and going to that youth group, I had heard about Jesus and heard about God. So I knew he died for the sins of the world. So I knew John 3.16 and I knew why he went to the cross. So I, I had that in my head. Um, while when I was in that youth group, though, it was like very emergent church type. So it was like they would do sermons with movies and TV shows. And it was like kind of a hangout and, and things like that, but he would still read from the Bible. So we would read it. So I, I knew that. So that's kind of where I was exposed to the gospel. I mean, the gospel they preached, I wouldn't really preach because it wasn't very clear, but still I, I kind of, I had heard that growing up. So that's where that came from. Okay. And so uh, once the Lord then saves you and i mean addictions are pretty hard to you know to bottle and sure. um really hard to let go there there are some sins that sometimes you know it is a struggle to uh for many believers even after they get saved it's not like you know the lord saves you and things just magically get fixed and you don't struggle anymore so um, how is that for you, uh, knowing like that you were consuming so much like drugs, you know, and, and becoming addicted to it? Was that hard for you, even after the Lord saved you? Did you have times where you feel tempted to go back to it? Or how is that for you? Well, I would say overall, the temptation uh, gets lessened over time. So when I immediately when I was born again and saved um, in the, like, I want to say like in two or three weeks after that, there were a few times I slipped up and then, and then I was like done for good. And the cravings would come and the temptation would come to do it again. I mean, you have Satan right there tempting you. Um, but what happened was I did. So when I first got saved, my friend who I told you about, Prashant, he had a friend who started to mentor me, but he was very uh, NAR, charismatic, very out there. He he had uh, prophets in Africa He that were his spiritual fathers, like just, just wacky stuff. So, but he taught me some good things. He taught me, uh, he taught me a few good things. He taught me one. I said, well, what Bible should I read? He's like, just find one that works for you that you can read and it's clear to you you know it doesn't really matter as long as you can understand it and read it in your daily devotions so that's one thing he taught me another thing he taught me was about fasting and fasting is a great principle that i still do today and i encourage others to do but when i first got saved i did um 
before he would even meet with me, I could, I had to do like a three day water and vegetable fast. So I did that. Then I did 14 days time interval. So I only ate after six. Then I did 40 days where I only ate after six. Then I did like a five day dry fast. And then another couple like week long fasts where I would only eat certain times. So for about six months after I got saved, I was fasting a lot. And that helped tremendously with the cravings and the temptation. So that was a that was a big tool um, as I first got saved. And then, you know, I would still do that. But as the years go on, the temptations get lower. You know, the more I'm in the word, the more I'm uh, with brothers and sisters in Christ, the more I'm in prayer. You know, I I know that if I were to slip up, like God would forgive me, but it wouldn't be worth it, you know, to fall back into that sin. Yeah, I ask because uh, I've known of people that the Lord saved uh, and they were like on fire for the Lord sharing the word of God, you know, pre preaching the gospel and their, in their past, they did struggle with drugs. Like they didn't go a day without drugs and, and then they walked away, you know, and oh, it's yeah. really sad to, to see that. And I mean, just what you said, like how you, you, you also try to figure it out ways to help you bottle, you know, like the temptation or the cravings or whatever, you know, like to, to slip back. And I think, yeah, because once you the Lord saves you, you're no longer a slave to those sin. You know, like you shouldn't be uh, controlled by sin. Uh, now the one the person who is your master uh, over your life is the Lord Jesus Christ. So there has to be a change. You have to hate sin. You can stay loving your you know the sin that Christ died for. Uh, so there has to be like a permanent change. Uh, you know, when you, when you profess to be a believer, you don't go, it's not like you, like the dog, you don't go back to your vomit, you know? So, um, yeah, yeah, there was, you know, well, speaking of that, there was one moment. So, um, I would say, so that guy I was speaking about earlier. So he had this prophet guy in Georgia that I, you know, I'm like, I'm brand new Christian. I don't know what up and down is, you know, I don't know what left and right. Like I'm all, I'm just like, whatever. Oh, Jesus sounds good to me. So I ended up uh, following one of these guys and I actually moved to Georgia to be a part of this church. And I was the youth pastor there and I'm like six months, you know, I'm totally unqualified. Like I would never, I would never recommend anyone who first got saved to start teaching and preaching. That's just a terrible a terrible idea. So I ended up going to Georgia. So I got involved in this false church. And I mean, they were like having three, four hour services and rolling on the ground, you know, like the things you would see on YouTube or on videos. And so someone actually came to the uh, revival meeting one night, someone came to the revival meeting and they pointed at me and they said, come outside. And this girl, I'd never met her before in my life. And she said, look, um, the Lord never wanted you here. He never wanted you to be here. And she puts like a hundred dollars in my hand and I had like no money. And so she gives me a hundred dollars. She's like, you need to go back to Chicago. And she didn't even know where I was from. And, and it was just, it, the Lord used her. And so when that happened, I woke up, I was like, wait, maybe I'm deceived right now. Maybe something's going on. So that kind of clicked. And I was like, you know what? I started to see some of the inconsistencies with what they were doing and what the scriptures say. And then at that time I started to discover 
teachers like, you know, Dr. MacArthur and Paul Washer and Steve Lawson and some of these guys. So I'm seeing what they're saying. I'm seeing what the church is preaching and I'm realizing like something's off here. So I ended up leaving there. That's a story in itself, but I ended up, I ended up getting out of there. And so when I left, I went back to my parents' house and I fell back into some of those besetting sins. So I fell back into the like pornography and marijuana and gambling. So I was still born again at that time. I would say like for four or five months, I was just in a really deep depression. You know, I thought that the Lord wanted me in Georgia with this false church and I, that ended up blowing up and I went back home. So at that time, you know, I started slipping up again, but then I actually just, I fasted and prayed after about five months and whatever was going on was gone. And that was the last time where that was like seven, eight years ago. That was the last time where I really struggled with those things. So there was a period after I got saved where I did fall into that stuff. But I would say that was judgment from God because my pride was through the roof when I went into that false church. Like he was saying things to me like, you're going to preach the word to Obama in the White House and you have the spirit of Moses and Elijah, just totally unbiblical things. So I was like, man, I'm the next, they they were saying like, you're the next Billy Graham and like all these things to me. So like my pride got so big and God was like, just crushed me, you know? And I think he just taught me a a big lesson, but you know, I, I went back to some of those things, but you know, that does happen. But yeah, that was a, I have many, many experiences like that as I first got saved, just where I had these hard life lessons, you know, from God. So. Yeah, the Lord will definitely humble us. (laughs) Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Um, so then what happens then when you, so you move back to Chicago and then do you start going to a new church? Like what, what does yeah, that look like, so, look like for you? Yeah. So I, I went back to Chicago. I was still involved in some of that charismatic stuff. Um, kind of, I was kind of helping at a church in the area. Um, but as, as I was saying, I started to discover some good teachers and listening to some solid guys. Uh, one of my big influences is like pastor Tim Conway. I don't know if you've heard of him. He, he's a, he's a pastor. He has a, a website. I'll be honest.com. Uh, him and Paul Washer did a lot of work back in the day, but so he was a big influence. He's a reform brother, you know, MacArthur's teachings, Lawson, Sproul, like these guys, I started listening to these guys. So I'm starting to get more in um, good teaching. And then I become like fully reformed, you know, doctrines of grace, um, you know, believing in tulip, all these things. So I start to believe these things. So, but I still had this burden when I first got saved, like for missions. Like I knew the Lord wanted me to work with people overseas. Um, I knew he wanted me to go uh, to these places to preach and help teach and things like that. So after that experience, I ended up applying for something. I applied for this thing called the World Race, which is like you go to 11 countries in 11 months. Um, it's it's not a great organization. I'm glad that my my application got denied, actually. So uh, the Lord was working through that. But that got denied. And then I ended up going to Belize um, that week providentially uh, when my application got denied. I ended up going to 
Belize, um, a friend of mine's sister was getting a lift ride by this lady in Chicago. She's like, yeah, my brother wants to do something cool, like uh, overseas and help it somewhere. And she's like, well, I go to this children's home. So she told my my friend, my friend told me we I ended up raising like thirteen hundred dollars in three weeks. And we went for that was the end of uh, 2016. So we went for like a month. And that was my first exposure to a third world country. And I was like, oh, my God, I was like, we have it so good here. And no one even realizes how good we have it here. And so so I, I went there and and that's where um, I just started. God started growing me with uh, uh, missions. And, you know, I wanted to go to more places and the Lord started leading and opening doors for that. So that's kind of where uh, I kind of transitioned into like better theology, better teaching and just wanted to uh, serve overseas. So. Is this how you get connected to the ministry that you're doing now? Or you can tell me, uh, yeah, like what happens after you start getting uh, involved in those ministries and then uh, you can take us then to the the ministry that you're currently doing at the moment. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So what happened was, uh, so I went to Belize that month. I went back home. The Lord was pressing on me to go back. Um at that time, I'm also praying for a wife diligently. So I'm praying for my wife daily. I'm wanting, you know, wanting to be married, things like that. So I went back to Belize in early uh, 2017. And I went back and uh, I was at the children's home and this girl comes in from North Carolina. And, and I was like, I was like, at, my first thought was this stuck up girl. She has no idea what she's getting herself into. <laughs> she's like all dressed really nice and you know we're at this children's home so I had this idea uh, about her but then we started getting close and uh you know she wasn't a Christian at the time and I shared my testimony with her I shared the gospel with her God ended up saving her and we we were saying I love you after like a month and we were engaged six months later and that's my wife now Hannah and so the Lord brought me back to meet my wife and then while I was there, um, I had this call to go to Myanmar. I'd never heard about the country. I didn't know anything about it. Um, it was open for just about five years. There was a war before. Now there's a war going on now. But um, so it was open. So I felt the Lord's call to go to Myanmar. I started going there, uh, working with an orphanage there, a few pastors there. And that's kind of where the ministry started developing. Um, I was raising money for people, for children in Belize. I was helping people in Myanmar, so I just incorporated it. I created Vessels for Christ. That's the ministry I run now. And um, we just equip pastors uh, with resources. Uh, we equip them financially. I go over there. I see what's going on on the ground, try to help them with teaching materials, things like that. Because here we have so much, and there they just don't have access to things like we do here. So I just try to help and connect them. And, and a lot of, some of them are going to unreached areas. Some of them are just going in their community to share the gospel. And that and that's where the ministry started. started. And so we do work in uh, Belize, Myanmar, and India. And then we have a few other countries where we've helped out. But um, we're kind of like um, hard cries, but just on like a really smaller scale uh, of what we do. So that's that's how it all kind of came about. And so uh, what are some of the things that you guys do within your ministry? What are some of the countries that you guys have have had the opportunity to to serve and like 
help people? Yeah. So in Belize right now, first we were helping children graduate. Uh, we were paying for their school fees. I think we saw like 10 or 15 graduate over that time, which was great. And, and then um, now we're working with um, an evangelist. Uh, his name's Nate. He was a street preacher. He's there full time with his family for the last seven years. They do a lot of evangelism. They're one of the only ones really preaching the true gospel down there. There's a lot of word, faith stuff, prosperity, um, just crazy charismatic things, um, Church of Christ, Church of God, a lot of Jehovah's Witness, all the cults are down there. So he's preaching the true gospel down there, and then he's training like eight pastors in the area. So we've been providing, we'll provide resources. Um, I'll go down there to see what's going on. I'll do some um, preaching there and things like that. So that's what we're doing in Belize. In Myanmar, um, right now I have strong relationship with uh, three pastors. One is in central Myanmar, one is up north in the mountains, and one is south where the main city is. And they do a lot of evangelism in their area. Um, they have churches, small churches there. Um, up The one pastor up north, his name's Pastor Tong, he's... Um, there's a lot of fighting going on. So their church and their people have having to flee to the hills at times and come back. And so we've been providing a lot of aids. We've been supporting them almost monthly for like three years now, uh, basically right around COVID, uh, right around co when COVID happened, um, the military took over the country and they started just bombing and fighting all of these poor areas, including the pastors. Uh, up there where we've been helping. It's really a miracle of God that his church is still standing. Um, even guys that I talked to, because they've had pastors they've worked with where their churches have been burned down, pastors have been killed, you know, at, that him and his church is still there is a miracle in itself. Um, so, so we work with, yeah, three pastors, um, one orphanage in Myanmar, we work with, we help, we support them financially. And then in India, we were working with a pastor um, that's kind of transitioning now. So we have a couple uh, exploratory things with a few new pastors that we're going to start helping with. We were supporting that pastor for years and it's kind of a transition there. Um, so that's mainly what we're doing, just mostly trying to get them, you know, we're getting them aid. Uh, we're teaching, like I'll do some Zoom teaching for them at times with evangelism and things like that. And then also providing Bibles, materials, you know, um, money to print tracks and things like that for evangelistic means the sad part is is like it's hard it's so hard to raise funds for missions you know here in this country and i'm included in this you know you come back for a while and you, you just get comfortable you start for your brothers so it's really hard to get people behind you know i can go there and then come and do a presentation to a church but that person has not been there for themselves. So it's really hard to connect with that. So that's always our prayer is just that we can raise more support uh, for those people that really, really have nothing. They don't have anything like we have here. And just to get the gospel out more, there's still, uh, last time I checked, about 6,000 people groups that haven't been reached with the gospel, don't have a Bible in their translation, um, things like that. So so how can people be supporting you guys and where can they go to uh you know, to provide any, uh, any support? Um, so you can go to uh, vesselsforchrist.org is the website. You can donate through PayPal there. We have a Tithely link there too. And then um, 
there's also a PO box if you'd like to donate uh, with a check too. So all the information's on the website. My email is there, uh, awright at vesselsforchrist.org if you have any questions um, or need any additional information. Um, we have an upcoming trip. I'm going end of September. I'm going to a conference in Indonesia. And then after the conference, it's still kind of, I'm still working out the details, but I'm going to be doing some preaching and teaching either in um, Philippines, Laos, or Thailand. So we have a few things going on where we're still kind of connecting with some pastors there. So that's a big trip coming up. And you were saying that uh, one of the challenges things also is try to get things like translated um, into, are you guys, work, do you guys do that? Or do you have some other people that help you with like the translation of like gospel tracts into their language or the Bibles? Like, uh, are there people that help you guys with that? Well, no. So we don't really do a lot with the translation aspect. Uh, translation is hard. I mean, I've I've spoke so like I have a couple of good relationships with some big ministries and I've spoken to them. It's really hard to get all the logistics to do translation. Um, so what we would do is like the countries we're in, if they have a translation, in their Bible will provide funds for them to purchase Bibles or they might be able to like I did something with Legionnaire uh, a while back where they had a um, a track that they translate uh, like a, it was like a kind of a smaller version of the Westminster and they translated in Hindi. So I worked with the guys to get that and pass that out. But um, no, we don't really do a lot of that um, aspect, but it's, it can be complicated and just logistics and things like that. So um, yeah, we just pray for those areas and really that more of that stuff happens but there's just so many things behind the scenes that you guys don't know about that are just a lot man the devil is crafty he's always working to put um potholes and things like that and things you're trying to work on so yeah so in uh your where are you located then now like are you part also like of a church there um you and your wife so right now we're uh we're living in orlando and okay. We've actually been attending St. Andrew's Chapel, uh, our, the church that R.C. Sproul founded, but we're Baptist, so we we didn't end up joining, but we're just going there for now, and we're actually in a transition where we're going to, we're looking to buy a house and to relocate to Southern Florida to be a part of a church down there called Emmanuel Baptist Church, so we visited there a few times. And I'm going to start attending. They're connected to Reformed Baptist Seminary. So I'm going to start taking classes and work towards a degree uh, at the school there. So we're kind of like in a transitional period. Okay. Meanwhile, also just working uh, or helping through this ministry now that uh, you are the president of uh, Vessels for Christ, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, so I'm still doing uh, trips and and raising funds and getting the word out and speaking at a few churches about it and things like that. But um, but yeah, we had um, we were going to a church in the area, but it had ended up being a very uh, legalistic, authoritarian church. And uh, actually, shout out to uh, Phil Johnson. He is a good brother who um, helped us out during that time and has helped many others. Uh, out in situations like we were in so we were we were going to a place like that and we ended up leaving that so 
you're kind of in a transitional period, but, but God is good. He brings you through all these things and he works out everything for your good. So. Amen. Yeah. And so, uh, you guys are doing, uh, again with your uh, ministry. So you said Belize, uh, India and, uh, and Myanmar, Myanmar. which is Myanmar is right next to Thailand. Okay. All right. And is your goal like to expand to other countries or this is just like your main focus at the moment? So this is the this is kind of all we can handle at the moment. And we do a few things in a few other countries if there's kind of special projects or needs that come up. But uh, yeah, a, a goal would be to expand as we grow. Um, but, um, you know, we'll just kind of wait on the Lord and see see what he does. But but yeah, three countries with uh, let's see, th uh, three, four pastors, an evangelist, and an orphanage. It's that's like a lot. So I mean, I'm I'm in meetings. I'm getting updates, and basically, I work. I resell stuff online. My wife has her own business, and then I do this. So it's like another job, basically. It's about as much as I can handle for this point. And how have you seen the Lord? Um... Or how has the Lord used this ministry for your own life? What has he taught you? Uh, what have you learned as you have, you know, been serving the Lord through this ministry? Um, he's taught me a lot of patience, um, a lot of empathy. You know, I don't think if I started this, I wouldn't be as empathetic as I am now. Um, I'd probably just be in my own little bubble not really knowing what's going on. Um, he's given me more perseverance, um, taught me more about prayer. Uh, like we can't do anything without prayer. Um, I've learned that a lot. Like there are some times when <laughs> we just don't have the funds or the things we need. And I'm just praying and like, I get a check in the mail out of nowhere. And I'm like, oh, this is exactly what we needed. So prayer is a big one and um encouragement just you know i try to encourage them but i swear they encourage me more because i mean if you take it like this you know we live here we're in a comfortable like i'm in the office like i don't have to worry about shooting or anything going on but they're you know the one pastor two sermons you know take care of his four kids while they're shooting while there's bombings in the area he's got to watch out for his family while they're just trying to struggle to survive or they're struggling to survive and he's got to do all these things you know serve god faithfully while all this is happening and sometimes i just try to put myself in his shoes like you know would i be that diligent would i be that uh faithful to the lord in those you know, where all that stuff is coming at you and you still got to just keep going. So, I mean, it's just been a big encouragement for me for these guys to remain faithful and remain true to Christ and what he's called them to do while all this persecution and attacks and animosity is coming their way. It's really just, it's, uh, yeah, it's just encouraged me a lot. So, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing to see, right. How sometimes, we think we're the ones who are going to be going and like, it's our job to go and encourage those people, but to see how the Lord use it to encourage us also, uh, strengthen us and to trust, to depend more on him. Um, as, uh, you know, I, I think I grew up in Dominican Republic and uh, mm. there was only one Catholic church in my town. <laughs> there was no uh, believing church around us. And I think up to this day, there are 
none uh no 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 churches uh you know believing churches around and and whenever anyone came to preach the gospel uh we were told that we shouldn't listen to them because those are the crazy people that's what they say oh really wow. <laughs> yeah it was it was pretty intense it's like well those are the ones bringing the good news and yes there were maybe some some that now that i think about it i'm like yeah sure i don't know we got some jehovah witness and all kinds you you name it you know um but yeah i mean and and seeing like the uh the lifestyle of many people you know people dealing with drugs or parents that you know will take their kids out of school and make them work and take their money and it, it was yeah. just like people that didn't know what they were going to eat the next day because they had such a huge family and they don't have much to provide so yeah it, i think it's true we get so comfortable here in america like we have everything so easy out here, you know, and yet there are people that they don't know what they're going to eat tomorrow. If they will eat, there are people that they don't have someone faithfully sharing the gospel with them, you know, and hearing the good news. So um, I'm very thankful that you guys are doing this and, and, and being faithful to proclaim the gospel and to, uh, you know, help other pastors also in other countries again, uh, you know that their their life is on the line you know like they don't know like what's what tomorrow is going to look like so thank you for for being faithful and just serving them in that way and i pray like you know i will make sure that i put the links here on the description so if anyone wants to you know uh donate or get in touch with you guys and see you know how they can help out so uh that, that way it will be the easiest way so i'll make sure to include all the links here for you guys so oh, we have yeah, we appreciate that a lot. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So now let's move on to my signature question for the podcast. Uh, <laughs> so uh, any favorite books that you have to, or books that have been helpful for you other than the Bible? We, we, I, you know, every time I ask this question, I'm assuming, yes, the Bible is the main book. <laughs> but do you have any like favorite books that you like? Yeah, I mean, some books that I can recommend. Um I really loved uh, the Christian in Complete Armor by William Gurnall. He was a he was a Puritan, I think late 1600s. He didn't write many books, but that is a collection of his sermons. It's a very big book to get through, but it's very beneficial for the Christian. Um, Holiness by J.C. Ryle is another favorite of mine. Um, uh, I just finished um, Pentecost today by Ian Murray, which was a great book. And um, let me think. Missionary Theologian uh, by Evan Burns. He's a friend of mine. He he was a missionary. He's still a missionary for almost 30 years in Asia. And he writes about the issues in missions and what some of the problems are today. Uh, and that's a great book. Um, I mean, Pilgrim's Progress is a classic by John Bunyan. I mean, anything by Paul Washer is great too. I just finished the preeminent Christ that he wrote his new book and his workbooks are great too. Uh, I would highly recommend his little known one on fasting. Um, you know, a lot of times fasting gets a, a bad rep, so to say, uh, but the Bible's pretty clear. It's not if you fast, it's when you fast, he says to the disciples. And Paul wrote a great workbook about all the reasons why we should fast, all the passages he put together about fasting, 
And that is a high, that is one I would highly recommend because it takes a biblical approach to fasting where a lot of other books take more of a charismatic thing or things like that. He sticks to the word of God. And that's a, that's a good one too. So yeah, those are some of the books I would recommend. Awesome. And uh, what are three things that bring you joy? My wife, first and foremost, um, the pastors overseas bring me joy. They're always full of joy and they always put a smile on my face when I talk to them. And uh, um, I would say reading the word. I mean, anytime I have struggles and I can just go to the word and mostly in the Psalms and Proverbs and uh, just listening. I do a lot of audio uh, with the word. I'll just listen to it a lot over and over again. So th those are three things that bring me joy. And for anyone who uh, is listening or watching who, I don't know if they know Christ and if they don't, like, you know, like we're always talking about Jesus Christ. That's what, that's the main person that all of our testimonies point to, right? Because he's the one who died for us. So why is it that we all need Jesus Christ? Well, ever since the Adam and Eve were created, man fell, fell into sin and Adam was the federal head. So we're all born in sin. And the only way we can get right with God is through the mediator, Jesus Christ. Um, he bore his people's sins on the cross. He died for them. He resurrected three days later. And it says, if we call upon the name of the Lord, we shall be saved. And um, if we don't, we'll have everlasting damnation. Uh, we will be in hell forever. Jesus says in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one gets to the Father except through him. So he is the only way. There's no other way. You can't go through Muhammad. You can't go through Buddha. You can't go through any other false god that might come about. And believe me, there are a lot of false gods and a lot of cults that are coming up these days. But Jesus Christ is the only way. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father in a physical body, and he is there with the Lord. And we must believe in him and we will have everlasting life. We will, as Paul said, we will be joint heirs. We will have crowns of life. And it's the only thing that matters in this life because life is like a vapor. It is short. It will be gone before we know it. But you want to believe in Jesus Christ and you want to be with him forever in heaven, you know, glorifying the father. Amen. Well, Alex, thank you so, so much for uh, joining me on the podcast. It's been a joy to get to know you and yeah. uh, just hear about everything that the Lord has done in your life. Uh, I think I that's why I love the you know, just listening and uh, sitting here with different people, uh, just hearing about how the Lord saved them. And we always say, you know, how the Lord brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light and all glory and praise goes to him because it's not anything that we have done. We are not we don't have the power to save anyone uh we are just faithfully sharing the gospel because we know that the lord is the one who you mentioned about ezekiel that he's the one who does the heart surgery we can do the surgery the lord is the one who has to completely change our heart and uh bring and draw draw everyone to himself it's not that we try to seek god we can't unless he drew each one of us to to himself so thank you so much for sharing that and uh, before and again, like uh, I, I make sure to check the links here under the description for uh, finding about vessels for Christ and uh, how you can be supporting uh, Alex's ministry. But uh, before we go, uh, Alex, will you just mind uh, closing us in prayer? Yeah, 
Oh, Father God, we just thank you for this time on this podcast. We pray that your name was glorified. Uh, we pray for everyone who listens to it, whatever they may need, Lord, you provide it for them. We pray for the ones that might uh, stumble upon this podcast that are lost. We pray that you save their souls, Lord. We pray for all the listeners. We have a lot of family and friends that are lost, Lord. We pray that you save them, that you draw them to Christ, Lord, that they believe in him to be saved, Lord. And we just thank you for this time together and this privilege to just come together and share about what you've done in our lives, Lord. And we pray all these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.